We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message. They will get back to you at 905-529-7165. Also, feel free to check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. And you can ask a question there via the listener inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you. Good morning, Good morning, Scott. Scott. What Good an morning. incredible week. The weather's been nice. Everybody oh. golfing? <laughs> no golfing. We were working hard. Yeah. Oh. We were conferencing at uh, Educating Our Brains, mm-hmm. and so we've got lots to share with people this week. Perfect. And I guess we're starting with Don't Worry, Retire Happy. Should yeah. we all be singing here? I like that. You know, it's, kinda, it's catchy. I think yeah. that might catch on. That's right. Maybe, what, about 15 <laughs> years ago? Yeah. I think I, I, it <laughs> might have been more than that. <laughs> okay. No way I'm aging myself here. <laughs> Well, this is this is something that uh, you know. One of the uh, Don and I both attended a, a presentation, and it was actually done by a gentleman who's out of the United States. But uh, the, you know, the information and the concepts uh, are absolutely viable here in Canada. Mm-hmm. And one of the concerns that uh, as, as he's looking at how do you sort of create the perfect retirement, the happy retirement, and you know, and you start to think about what environment are we retiring into right now for those that are sort of five to mm-hmm. 10 years into retire or away from retirement or already retired. And one of the things you have to think about is what does the economic forecast look like? And as he began to sort of um, paint a picture of what what we're looking at as we go forward. The one thing is we look backwards, we've seen since 2008, governments everywhere have been printing money like crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when you think about printing money, usually if you put it on an equation, printing money means higher inflation mm-hmm. because there's more dollars out there to, to be spent and to use. Yep. And, but when you drill down a little further and understand where does inflation really come from? Well, definitely inflation, you have to have more supply of money, but you also have what they call a velocity of money. And what velocity of money means is that when people get it in their hands, they actually spend it. They mm-hmm. do something with it. They're, yeah. they're expanding, they're you know, adding to their house, they're building new cottages, whatever it is they're using with that extra money. And, but the, on the other hand, if they printed all kinds of money and you just dug a hole and you put the money in a hole, then you're not getting any velocity of money. The money just yeah. basically isn't circulating anywhere. It's not doing anything. It's disappeared into that hole. Mm-hmm. So you have to have both. You have to have that increased supply of money, but you also have to have a velocity of money. And, and in economics, they used to call this the multiplier effect of money. Mm-hmm. So it, it not, quite often, say 0.9 would be a multiplier effect. So if you got $100, you save 10%, and you spent 90% of it. Mm-hmm. And the next person would do the same, and the next person would do the same, and the next person does the same. So that really goes to the economy in a hurry. But if the multiplier effect all of a sudden is the opposite, and it's now 0.1, you save 90% and you only spend a buck of that money, mm-hmm. well, then you're not getting, as Andy just mentioned, like a right. big hole. Just stick it in a hole and it doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and so with the amount of debt that's been created, and we talk about this financing that governments have done as well, uh, that today the, the debt number in the world is considered to be $60 trillion dollars. $60 trillion. Now, for for us and even for listeners, you're thinking, well, what does $60 trillion really mean? How yeah. do you even visualize that? And I think it was sort of a powerful representation. If you were if you were to compare time versus money, then you would if you had $1 equals one second, and you began to look at how much time would pass to get to $60 trillion, Yikes. well, uh, <laughs> $1 equals one second. One million dollars 
equals 11 and a half days. One billion dollars equals 32 years. Oh, man. And one trillion dollars equals 32,000 years. Huh. That's one trillion. Wow. So how we're, do we... We're screwed, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you sweating, Scott? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so debt, when we create debt, what we're doing is we're taking money from the future to be able to do something today, mm-hmm. to be able to enjoy it today. So we're carving it out and we're using that money today and then we have to pay it back at some point, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. how do we do that and still grow our economy? Because if we're not careful, we continue to have lower economic growth or lower global growth, then that really comes back full circle and says maybe interest rates are going to stay exactly where they are for a very, very long time. And in fact, the 30-year government bond in the United States, guess what it pays you right now for 30 years? Mm -hmm. If you hold it, it's about 3%. Yikes. So that's it. That's all you're going to get. It's kind of like a vision in the future. They're expecting things not to change for 30 years. It's almost a crystal ball. If they had to guess, they're thinking, well, 3% is what it's worth right now. And people are are putting bets against this. What's interesting, though, is that um, in in what you guys do, a lot of it relies on history, past trends, things that have happened. How do you adjust to all of that in this new norm? Because we've been talking about this for years, and it Mm -hmm. was an anomaly, and then quickly it was going to change back. Well, now we're saying that this is not only the norm now, but will be the future. How does that change your plan? How does that change uh, what you've looked at over the last hundred years? Yeah. Well, you, you definitely have to make, um, you know, considerations for lower interest rates as, 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 a, as one risk. But probably, and, and we're jumping ahead just a second here, but and I'll give you a little peek of what we'll be talking about. The biggest risk is still longevity risk because mm-hmm. that, that magnifies every other risk there is. Low interest rates are just one of the many risks, but, you know, people are living a lot longer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we wouldn't even be talking about all this re- financial planning, retirement planning, if people live to 67 like they did not long ago yeah, in history. Yeah. But they're living a far longer than that, and that's why all these low interest rates. And one of the things about you know living longer is the demographics right now. Mm-hmm. The baby boomers just hit 67 this year. And so you got this lump sum of people, and you think, oh, well, you know, there's a lot of people out there. They're going to be spending a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, they're out there retiring now. Actually, no. Um, you know, people in your <coughs> 20s and 30s, 40s even, they spend a lot of money. Mm-hmm. As soon as you start hitting 50, your spending starts decreasing. Yeah. It's, an automa- it's automatically you start spending less. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe nothing significant, but you start spending less because your kids may be your, your empty nesters now, perhaps. Yeah. You're not spending it on four times as much for your two kids, your wife, yourself, yeah. or husband and yourself. And you're, you're spending less. And so all of a sudden you may have extra money. So the whole idea of running an economy is how many dollars are going back in. Mm-hmm. And as Andy mentioned, one is simply that multiplier effect of money. If it's not being spent, it's being saved. It's not helping the economy. So we're going through this very low growth situation right now. And demographics is one of them. Debt is the other. And deleveraging would be Paying the third. Paying down the debt. Yeah. Exactly. And mm-hmm. that's and that's really where governments sort of are, you know, what options does governments have in terms of paying down debt? Well, they can raise taxes, mm-hmm. right? They can cut spending or they can rely on growth. And first two aren't very popular. 
Yeah. Right, you know, cutting spending and uh, raising taxes—that eh, never seems to work for the long term. But realistically, growth—we're <laughs> not in a period of that, and that's the key. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and also, we are in a bit of a period of rising taxes, and that's not helping things either. See, mm-hmm. the governments are are doing two things: they're paying down or trying to pay down debt. Actually, if anything, actually, they've been increasing deficits, so spending money to maintain the debt payment, which isn't helping the economy, mm-hmm. and by raising taxes. And we just had the the tax rate, when you look at, in, everybody thinks of income tax, but then you get the gas taxes, the liquor taxes, the GST tax. Electricity. Electricity tax, yeah. <laughs> um, all the different, buying another house, the land transfer tax, there's so many taxes. And when they start adding all those up, that's money come on, coming out of people that would normally would spend some money. And I think we're just getting to the tipping point or the breaking point with this. And we're seeing it, not to drag in electricity prices into this, but we're seeing this with the public response to the rebate that Premier Wynne just announced. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are ticked off it about this. It was a wake-up call. It is. And, 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 you know, finally she's realizing that, that people are upset. I mean, I don't think governments realize how far they have stretched Joe Taxpayer in all of this, and now they're going to start rebelling. Yeah, there's kind of no, you know... Put and put lipstick on this whole thing, making yeah. it look better. Yeah. But really, it's still not looking that good. Yeah. And you're seeing the response of this decrease in in that tax rate. You're like, is that it? Yeah, that's all we got. Especially when they well, I was talking to the minister of energy, who said, uh, "What's great about all of this is that it's off the HS, the provincial HST portion of your bill. So as your rates soar, so do your savings." <laughs> I can't believe they're, that was his exact quote on the show. <laughs> right. I can't believe that's how they're trying oh, to sell man. it now. Well, that's great. Yeah, if you spend twice as much on a car yeah. and they didn't charge you the tax on the car, you're saving more tax. Exactly. Wow, that's great. <laughs> why does it feel? Why does it not feel so good then? <laughs> that's right. I mean, come on. <clears throat> well, and so all these things, whether it's taxation, paying off debt, demographics, those are things that hurt that hurt the growth rate mm-hmm. and, and they're hurting the economy. And uh, then we, so we have all this money being printed, but it's, it's really not feeling like it as, as much, it's doing as much good as you think it might be doing. Because mm-hmm. most people in the past, if you look back in the past, every time they print a lot of money, you just see inflation go through the roof. Yeah. And we would have to, you know- Adjust interest rates. Adjust interest rates yeah. and tax, they all do all sorts of things to cut it back. Well, now we're not seeing that inflation. And there's a little bit of rumblings in the states of raising interest rates a little bit, maybe by the end of the year. Yeah. But we're talking not like in the old days where they go by 1% or 2% at a time yeah. or within a short period of time. They're talking about probably a quarter 1%. Yeah, yeah. And they've been talking about that for a few weeks, yeah. a few months now. Absolutely. So so it really came down to under this uh, this seminar that Andy and I came went to was there was seven steps to have a happy retirement. And the number one step was to have a plan. Okay. Like, how many years have we been doing this, Andy? Yeah. <laughs> 31 <laughs> years, 32 years. Yes, exactly. So this is not a do-it-yourself project. No. No. Yeah, <laughs> it's not really. a DIY. Let me work on that plan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and whatever your vocation is, I'm sure you could do something. But I would not want to do some home wiring on my house, mm-hmm. okay, or fix my own car. Maybe when I had my 72 Volkswagen Beetle, I couldn't do that much damage. Yeah. It wasn't worth much. But we're talking about your life savings. I've got some used dental tools in my garage. We could, we could do some, I could do some dental work, sure. you know. <laughs> sure. Go ahead, Don. <laughs> Trust me on this one. Yeah. It's good. I'll watch you guys. 
<laughs> you go first. <laughs> and again, this is what a retirement, there's so many aspects to a retirement plan, whether it's taxation, inflation, investments, um, sequence of returns, risk level, age of your spouse, age of your kids, um, all sorts of, and, and, and taking into account lifestyle changes. So you, there's, and those are just some right off the top of my head. There's so many things. And one is the number one thing is work with a certified financial planner. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Andy and I have been certified financial planners for, I don't know how many years, probably 25 of our, th more than that actually, probably 27 years. And uh, it's really kind of the idea you want with a financial planner. It's like going to say an accountant that's, oh, he's a bookkeeper, he'll do okay. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're running your own business, there's a time where your business is more valuable and you want to have a real, you know, a, a real accountant look after things and not a kind of a, somebody that's done a couple of courses. Mm -hmm. and, and that would go with any occupation. Okay, that's just an example. So starting with a financial planner, make sure whoever you're working with has their certified financial planning designation. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now, leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. Uh, this time, don't worry, retire happy. Have we got the song yeah, done yet? <laughs> you know, you really hum it. <laughs> Don's still working on retire the ukulele happy. there, trying to make it happen here. We're talking about the seven steps to retiring happy. And um, number one we talked about is the plan. And, and I think what's, what was intriguing to me, and it made sense, is that the plan and retirement used to be described, my parents would have described their retirement in terms of monthly income. Mm. How much income are we getting? Because they came from the world of defined benefit pension plans. They came from the world of annuities where you would get a stream of income for the rest of your life. And yeah. so it was always about income. And the new language now is about how much do I have? What's the pot of money? How much right. money do I have? Do I have a million? dollars? Do I have $3 million? Do I have $10 million? Whatever. So that pot of money, we're not talking about it in terms of, of a monthly income anymore. We're talking mm. about it in terms of a pot of money. And when you ask people, and I, so I was thinking about the, the retirement scenarios too, is that and more and more as, as we work with people that are retired now, a lot of it is this, con this communication about just in case, and it's become a just-in-case retirement as well. And what I mean by that is that, that people have a pot of money, but they're unsure about how to spend it and how to generate income mm -hmm. because just-in-case always seems to be around the corner, just in case the stock market doesn't do well, just in case real estate crashes, just in case interest rates go up, just in case I have a health problem, just mm -hmm. in case I live too long. And so all of these just in cases are the backdrop for where people are sacrificing, we believe are sacrificing how much they could be spending in terms of their plan, in terms of retirement, and they're ending up with the potential of leaving their kids lots of money yeah. and the kids know how to spend it. Yeah, <laughs> They're yeah, good at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no just in case for them. Yeah. <laughs> and we jokingly said, you know, if you think about seven days out of the week, what day of the week are you most likely to spend the most money? I would say Friday or Saturday. Saturday is the day, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's off. You go mm -hmm. do your shopping. Well, when you retire, guess what? 
Every day is Saturday. That's right. <laughs> Every day is New Year's Eve. Exactly. You potentially could spend seven times as much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why they have dollar stores. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, we've moved to this just-in-case retirement scenario, and we want to help people sort of get away from that and understand and feel confident about spending their money and enjoying it and being happy. And so the second step is maximizing your Canada pension plan and old-age security. And too many of us just sort of don't ignore that or it's, oh, I'll just start at 60 and don't put a lot of thought into it. But, you know, they think more about their summer vacation than they ever think about pulling the trigger on Canada Pension Plan or Old Age Security. Mm -hmm. But now with the options that exist today, the ability to enhance it, to maximize it, maybe you should work a little bit longer. We'll talk about that one too. But but really it, it takes part of your planning. You really have to understand how to take advantage of Canada Pension Plan and Old Age Security for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. We're seeing... Uh a lot of, uh, say, small business owners, they're setting up corporations or professional corporations, and they're, they're telling me how they're paying very little tax because they're taking all their income and dividends. Mm -hmm. And that way they're not contributing to the Canada Pension Plan. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I know it's not the best return in the world, but I still love that safety net that you're going to get X amount of dollars per month. Wow. And currently, if you were retired 65, the maximum this year would be $1,092.50 per month. Mm -hmm. So if you had, call $1,100, if you and your spouse maximize that to 65, that's $2,200 a month as mm -hmm. a base. Mm -hmm. That index is with inflation, okay? So I know the return wouldn't be the best, but let me just work out this return. And so they actually did a study on the rate of return on the Canada Pension Plan. And for employees, it was about 5.5%. That's what the investment return worked out to in terms of what you contributed to what you got out. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand where these self-employed people get um, kind of ruffle their feathers a bit because they have to contribute both halves. Yeah. Okay. Not only they are contributing the employee side, but they're also contributing the employer side. So therefore, their rate of return is somewhere between 25 2.75, 2.8%. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the rate of return isn't that great. Absolutely not. But there is the benefits of of not only an income for life, okay? You don't have to worry. If you live to be 110, yeah. you're still going to get your CPP. Mm -hmm. And it's indexed. We don't know what inflation is going to be. It also has a survivor benefit to your spouse in case he or she did not have a full CPP. And it also has a disability option. So if you do get dis disabled before 65, you're getting an income. And uh, you know it augments with your disability policy but at least you have another layer of protection. So financial planning, part of financial planning is peace of mind. It's just not worrying about your money. Mm -hmm. And CPP is part of that. It, make, it allows you to be happier. And I'm a big advocate of CPP. And the other part of CPP planning is w when should you take it out? And I'm hearing a lot of kind of legacy ideas that, oh yeah, as soon as you can get it out at age 60, pull it out. And I know we talked about this last year in the show and they worked, I worked it out, but they've increased the penalty for that. It's now 36% reduction in your Canada pension plan at age 60. Right. In fact, some people might be better off to waiting. I wouldn't suggest all the way to 70, but if you did wait till 70, there's a 42% increase yeah. on your CPP. So it's... What's, what makes people decide whether to take it early or not? Obviously, it's their financial situation, their cash flow, or I guess they just feel they're not going to live that long. Um, you know what? You're giving way too much credit to this decision. <laughs> I would actually. Am I, too, am I being too educated? Yeah, I, think, here? I, I would think that it says, well, you know, here's a good thing. 
Yeah. He said, yeah, I could, you know, and he said, my buddy did it. I hear that a lot. And Why not use the money now? I, you know what? I right. could die tomorrow. In fact, I just heard that last week. Yeah. I could die tomorrow and I won't get it out. Yes, you could. <laughs> but the odds are you won't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you could actually live to 85. Yeah. And how long will your money last? And that, and an interesting fact as we were exploring this uh, is if, when you ask people, what's your largest asset? And many, many people will say their house. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people might say their business or their, maybe it's their investments. But when you consider under the you know, standard mortality and how much longer people are living, your Canada pension plan on old age security actually turns out to be your largest asset. Isn't one of the largest assets yeah. and so many mm. people are that is the base of their retirement mm-hmm. absolutely and but if you think about how many payments you're going to get indexed with inflation right to the last day you live uh it is typically your largest asset even bigger than your home well one of the reasons we're seeing so many changes to pension plans and what have you is because people are living way longer than they ever used to mm-hmm. i mean remember in the 80s it was freedom 55 freedom yes. 50. well does that would that suffice if you're living to 95 yeah the i mean risk is much higher yeah. to the pension plans. Yep. You're spending, what, 50% of your life in retirement. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. And you only have maybe a third of your life to save up for that 50%. Yeah. So, yeah, the math is very difficult to do the Freedom 55. It was a great, actually, marketing idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily something that worked, yeah. but it was a great marketing and everybody remembers it. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, is that, you know, that, that was say maybe 30 years ago and even the, the, the mortality rate has changed drastically oh. since then. So it's, it's interesting. No, absolutely. And then also one last thing on, on old age security and CPP. Old age security, because there's a clawback, we are getting people working longer. Mm-hmm. And I did have a client not long ago, just uh, he's still a client and he, he's, he's going to retire at 67. Well, he, he was making enough that he was going to get all his old age security clawed back. Yeah. And you can defer, and a lot of people aren't aware of this, you can defer your old age security. It's a fairly new rule. I think it's in the last four or five years. But you do not have to take it at 65. And if you put it off, you're going to get a 6% increase on your old age security every year you put that off. Mm-hmm. But if you took it out at 65, because they send you the paperwork, yeah. you will get it all, and then you have it all clawed back. And so really, and you're, and you're going to, so you're not going to receive it anyway, and you're not going to get the increase when you do stop working. So you better to wait till after you retire. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, number three, uh, out of the seven steps to retire happy is the, uh, consider what we call a hybrid retirement. And a hybrid retirement really means that, yeah, you could maybe retire if it's at age 60 or 65, the number you pick. What about working an extra year or two? So, and that could be something where it's part-time, maybe you continue on full-time, but the idea behind it is that it now takes a lot of pressure off those initial withdrawals as you begin to take money out of your investments and you begin to live off your savings because you can kind of do a little bit of both. You can let the savings maybe sit another year or two years. And that can be particularly important in a period if, for example, the stock market does go down. Mm -hmm. And we talk about sequence of returns and when markets go down and you're drawing money out, it becomes a challenge then to recoup that yeah. and have, have that capital be replaced by a strong market at some point down the road. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a hybrid retirement in those first couple of years where you're still working, you still have a bit of income coming in, that gives you some flexibility to be able to adapt to any kind of market sequence of returns. So number three is considering a hybrid retirement. And a lot of people don't take uh, you know, 
an idea how important that extra money is. So I have a lot of clients say, oh, you know, I got this little part-time job. It's no big deal. I make 10000 a year. Well, let's put that in perspective. If you made 10000 a year, if you had a 2% GIC, how much money would you have to have invested to get $10,000? Hmm. You would have to have 500000 invested at 2% to get your 10000 a year. Yeah. So it would be like having $500,000 sitting there earning 2%. Mm-hmm. So those little jobs make a big difference. And it can be the difference of having an, a, a nice retirement and having a fantastic retirement. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people are, are having these little part-time jobs and they're spending it totally. It's just like free money. Yeah. And they're enjoying it. And it's, it's stress-free money. They're not worried about touching the principal or their money anymore. Yeah. And this is what Andy were talking about. It's a nice thing about having a guaranteed income. You don't worry about spending it. Yeah. But when you're touching your own money and you're watching it go down, yeah. there's a lot more stress. So having that part-time job is, a, is an excellent, having that hybrid retirement. I'm seeing a lot of people into their 80s mm-hmm. working still. Amazing. Uh, number four, protecting your savings from inflation. And inflation is going to be an interesting one. Right now, we're, we know we're in a low inflation environment. And, but having the ability to know that your income will keep pace with inflation is important. Or, um, and this is where, you know, typically some assets are going to perform better against inflation with respect to real estate is an example that tends to keep pace with inflation. Right now, the biggest area that is weak in terms of protecting you from inflation is that what we call the fixed income area of your investments. And that could be things like bonds, GICs, those are safer, the typically safer investments. But we've come through, oh, what is it, a 35-year bull market mm-hmm. in bonds, where bonds have really done nothing but outperform over the last 35 years. And that's because we've gone from a period of high interest rates down to historically low interest rates. How can that happen in the next 35 years? It's impossible. You can't, you can't I mean, we are seeing negative interest rates in yeah. some, in some jurisdictions, but you, you know, tip it, you can't really go from uh, 2% to 1%. Like there's not that much room to drop down any further. Yeah. So Protecting your assets, your savings from inflation is is number four. Yes, and, and inflation is, there's, there's one side of the inflation risk, which we've talked about forever, but there's actually the other side right now is maybe perhaps deflation, where prices actually could go lower. And where that starts to affect things isn't, uh, is, is the economy, if all of a sudden they know it's going to be cheaper later, well, I'll just wait to buy that later now. Yeah. And that also hurts the economy, which hurts the stock market. And, and you could only imagine, we happen to be speaking to some people out in Calgary while we're at our convention there in uh, Winnipeg. And one of the things is their housing value, which we can't even fathom over here, but for those houses over a million dollars, they've dropped yeah. as much as 30 to 40%. Mm-hmm. You don't hear this in the, in, on the, or you don't hear this in the radar or reading the papers. You're talking about, yeah, the houses dropped a few percent. The ones under around 700,000 to 800,000, they've m- held their own, dropped a tiny bit. But if you knew that the houses dropped 30%, I just might wait a little longer. Yeah. You know, why buy now? There's that, that sense of urgency that we have currently in Southern Ontario to buy a house before it goes up any further. Yeah. The exact opposite problem is with deflation, and that could hurt things also. So there is the, as much as we got inflation risk on one side, if you're looking at your house as your re- your sole retirement money, mm-hmm. maybe deflation might be the other risk. Yeah. Uh, and that brings us to number five, which is securing guaranteed lifetime income. And 
and this is something that, um, and Don and I, we've talked about this for years, but it's what it is in terms of your retirement plan is understanding how much of my income, if I could create a guaranteed income for life, um, what portion of my assets should I think consider doing something like that? And in this context, what we're talking about is you're either buying an annuity and, uh, and an annuity is something where there's really three components. In an annuity, you take a lump sum of money and you hand that over to an insurance company and an insurance company will agree to pay you X amount of dollars every month and this is key for the rest of your life. So, and it's interesting because the insurance companies, what's the greatest risk if you, if, if, I buy an, if I buy an annuity from an insurance company, what's the greatest risk to the insurance company? That you'll live forever. Exactly. Yeah. The longer I live, yeah. the, that's that's a, not a good thing for them. Mm-hmm. So people say, "Well, that's that's a risk to the insurance company. How do I know they'll be able to continue to pay?" Well, the the the, the reality is, is that insurance companies have both sides of the equation. Mm. When you buy a life insurance policy, yeah. <laughs> what's the greatest risk of that? Mm-hmm. The insurance company is if you die early. Yeah. So if you die early, they have to pay out a big lump sum. Yeah. But if you live a long time, then you're still paying premiums and they get to hold on to your money. So they get both sides of the equation. Yeah. So they kind of offset their risk in terms of being able to continue to pay these things out to you. And that sort of concept of a guaranteed lifetime income can be done through an annuity. And it can also be done through products, we call them, um, they're kind of a hybrid, they're called um, guaranteed investment funds or lifetime income benefits. And, uh, but one thing I want to talk about in terms of annuities is there's some major changes coming uh, as of January 1st, 2017. So if you're 60 plus and the idea of having an income for life makes sense or you begin to thinking about it. You should be acting now before the end of the year, and we'll tell you why when we come back. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can reach them now at 905-529-7165. Just leave a message. They'll get back to you. And don't forget to check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can also ask a question there uh, via the listener inquiry button. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165, and they will get back to you. Theme of this show, uh, don't worry, retire happy. Yes. Are you still not singing it, though? Well, no, we're working on that. We're getting the music. We're just we're forming the band as we speak. We're going to play you out with it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about the annuities and why you should consider buying one before the end of this year. And this is particularly important for anybody who's over the age of 60, I would say, in general. You have um, built up savings that are non-RSP savings. So these would be um, whether it's GICs or even your investment account. And as you begin to think about your retirement plan, having this guaranteed income for life is going to be part of that base or floor in terms of covering off your costs. And so under the old rules of annuities, if you purchase one now, your mortality, your age at which you're perceived to will die is based on a 1971 mortality table that Mm. the government uses. So in 1971, we didn't live as long. And so when you consider uh, an annuity, what they do in terms of taxation is 
Every month you get a payment from the annuity, from the insurance company, and part of that payment is principal, return of your own money, and that's easy, no tax on that. Part of it is interest that you're earning on that lump of money, and part of it is something we'll call, and this is the secret sauce, we'll call, we call longevity credits, and we'll talk about that in a second. But because you're going to, per, the perception right now under these tables is that you're going to live a shorter life, then the amount of interest you're going to collect is going to be much less. And so when they f- determine how much interest you have to pay tax on each year, it's actually much lower right now than right. it will be as when they take the new mortality tables starting January 1st, 2017. So just to look at a, at a quick example, on $100,000, um, if you are a male age 70, on $100,000, you'd roughly receive about $6,800, $6,800 a year from an annuity. And of that $6,800, only $272 of it is considered income for tax purposes. The rest of it is tax-free. So if you're in a 40% marginal tax bracket, you're going to pay about $109 of tax. So on your $6,800, you're really going to keep $6,700 after tax. Uh, January 1st, that same $6,800, now $926 of it is taxable. And your income tax at 40% now becomes uh, $370. So it jumps, it's almost it more than triples in terms of the tax. It's still not a large amount in terms of the dollar percentage wise, but um, uh, you add that up over the standard life expectancy, it's about $4,500 that you will save in tax over a standard life expectancy. So that's pretty good. And if it's something that you're considering anyway, get on it right now, set it up before, you don't have to start receiving payments before the end of the year, but you must have set it up before the end of the year. So that is prescribed annuity, which pays you a lifetime income, uh, and the tax advantages are much better to do it now. And it's interesting, and of course, uh, it's male versus females when you're getting an annuity um, quote. And as Andy mentioned, uh, for a 70-year-old male, it was around 6,800. If you're a female, it would be, 6140 So there's a difference of about $600 a month. Wow. Yeah, quite quite remarkable the difference. And again, this is these are just all It pays to be married. <laughs> <laughs> it it's all based on mortality tables of how long women live yeah. compared to men. And yet the one thing going back to Canada pension plan, they don't make any change there. So a a, a woman will get the exact same payout as a male. Mhm. Um, even though she, she'll live longer right. on average. And so her rate of return on CPP is, is a fair bit mar, more. Mm-hmm. They're getting almost a half of a percent to a three quarters percent greater rate of return on their Canada pension plan because they're going to end up living longer and getting more money. Yeah. So they, they've taken these charts. And if you were a 70-year-old, and go back to the 70-year-old male as an example, right now, if you were to, if you're 70 years old, the average... You know, the morta- you would, they, they say you would live to about age 89, mm-hmm. just short of 89. So if you're 70 now, you're going to live a, almost 19 years. And so what if you were just to take that money, that $100,000, and threw it into a 3% GIC? When would that run out? Because the problem with an annuity, if you were to buy this money, take your hundred grand and put it into a life annuity, the day you die, it's gone. Yeah. Okay, this is based on your life only. And uh, the insurance company doesn't have to pay anymore. 
as Andy mentioned, the, all the risk is on the insurance company. They don't want you to live that long. You want to live a long time. So if you put that into in a GIC at 3%, that money is actually interesting enough, will end right at the um, date of average um, life expectancy. So when you hit 89, your GIC would be worthless. Right. So if you're just average and nothing changes, you just hit the average mortality rate, you you don't eat right, you're doing everything average, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you will end up with no money left for your estate. In annuity, there's no money left to the estate either. But what if you weren't average? What if you were to live to 93. You know, who lives in 93? If you're 70 years old, that means you live 23 more years. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out a male, males, not even females, one in four live to 93. Mm. So there's a 25% chance you'll hit 93, but your GIC ran out yeah. four years ago. So absolutely, and this is the idea of managing risk. This is the biggest risk we talked about earlier. Longevity risk is the one you got to think of when doing a financial plan. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can leave a message now at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165, and they will get back to you. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call them right now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. The gentlemen today are saying, don't worry, retire happy, and you've got the plan. You got it. So we have talked about uh, the seven steps to a happy retirement. The one number one is the plan. Number two, maximize your CPP and OAS. Three, consider a hybrid retirement. Four, protect your savings from inflation. Five, secure some guaranteed income for life. Number six is plan for long-term care. And, Mm. you know, the the issue or the pushback, I think we often get on long-term care, and this is basically insurance or protection for you in case you cannot look after yourself, Mm -hmm. bottom line. And a lot of people say, well, my spouse will look after me. And I say, yeah, you know what? You're supposed to look after you. Okay. Lie down on the the floor. Okay. Barb, pick him up and move him into the bathroom, please. Or put him into the, put him into the car, please. It's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, it's too expensive. I said, yeah, but have you seen how much? Uh, long-term care costs. If you mm-hmm. think it's expensive, wait till you see what it costs to pay for the care. So um, long-term care, it, it's not easy to get because you may be in a situation where you already have ailments or a situation where you can't get it, but you should find out. You should explore and see if you can get it. And today, most people are sort of retirement things comes in three phases. We call it the go-go years, and this is where you're spending income mm-hmm. and typically age 60 to 80, things are going well and you're able to do all kinds of stuff. And then there's the slow-go years. And that's really from 80 on to wherever. We're not sure how long you're going to live, but mm-hmm. those are when you're likely going to need long-term care. And then the no-go years, obviously, is at death. And mm-hmm. uh, and that's when life insurance and things like that kick in. But when you think about the odds of long-term care and insurance, so you insure your house, right? Mm-hmm. In case it burns down or something happens. What are the odds of your house burning down. What what percentage chance do you think there is of your house I burning down? I don't know. Down? I would say 5%. 3%. Pretty close. Mm. 3%. Pretty but would you consider not insuring your house? No. 
What about your car? What's the chance of your car? What percentage chance of your car being written off or, or, or damaged? I would say greater, so 10%. 18% chance. Yeah. Would you think about not insuring your car or yeah. liability? But the, no? the, the issue is here, Andy, is that we have to in scenarios <laughs> yes. like that. <laughs> We're made to. And in some countries, like in Japan, you have to buy long-term care insurance. Really? It's mandatory. Mm. Now, uh, what do you think the odds are of, having, of you needing a long-term care uh, requirement wow. in the future. I would say, I'm guessing 10%. 72%. 72% are the odds that you're going to need long-term care at some point in the future. And so long-term care, what it does, long-term care insurance, is it puts a shield around your assets, your other investments, mm-hmm. the ones that you've saved for retirement, because you don't have to touch them. Yeah. They're protected if you've got proper long-term care insurance. And that leads us to number seven. Number seven, use your home equity wisely. And with looking at home equity, it's often our biggest asset. As mm-hmm. Andy mentioned, CPP, it turns out, might be your biggest asset, but this is the one that we actually built ourselves, and it's a tax-free asset. But how many people are worried about, well, I, they got this house, and they're underliving. They're running out of money. They're scrimping on all their money. They're not sure if they can do certain things, take trips, travel, what have you, because they have this asset and it's worth $500,000, but they won't touch it. Mm-hmm. And that's their, that's their house. And so there's a few things you can do. You can downsize, sell it, and, and, and get a, either rent or buy a smaller house. You can get a line of credit on your house and live on that for a while. Or you can get a reverse mortgage. Not as big a fan of the reverse mortgage. They're, they're getting better in the States and hopefully they'll get better here in Canada. But enjoy your life. You know, don't think about spent saving everything for the kids. It is your money. And if you did things, it's just uh, perhaps leaving an insurance policy for the kids. It's, then you wouldn't have to worry about You spend all your money. Mm-hmm. And then you can have some of your money go towards an insurance policy. The insurance policy would be a tax-free to the kids, just like your house. And then you could live the life the way you want. And so at the end of the day, it's income that makes people happy. You look at people like teachers, provincial people, um, owners, pensions, all these people get an income. They love it. They spend it every month. Mm-hmm. But the people with capital, they're miserable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, got a, I got a million dollars. Well, I'm not going to take the trip this year. The market's down. Just in case. <laughs> Just in case. I don't know about this. They're talking about the bonds. What about the Trump election? How's people with their pensions? What about the Trump thing? doesn't matter. I get my pension. Yeah. And... They're always worried about running out of money. And, this, uh, and, and kind of the analogy of this is, let's say one of your trips you always wanted to do, you and your wife, and I can't quite imagine this, but you wanted to take the whole family and you're going to go across Death Valley. Mm-hmm. And, you're gonna, and you, so you take your money, take this trip, and you'll hop in this air-conditioned van, having a great time. You're watching rattlesnakes eating rabbits or whatever you're watching <laughs> and tumbleweeds. You're having a great time. It's 120 degrees outside. And all of a sudden, you have so much fun, you forgot to look at the gas meter. And all of a sudden, the light comes on. And you're 100 miles away. And you won't make it. All of a sudden, the fun dial just goes down a lot. <laughs> They're thinking, uh-oh, that air conditioning, maybe we shouldn't leave that on. It's going gonna, it's gonna to drive drive down. You know, we're going to run out of gas sooner. Mm-hmm. Uh, we better not have as much fun. People start bickering. That's the feeling as if people are running out of money. And yeah. this is why people don't like capital. The income people, hey, the money's coming in all the time. Having a great time. And this is why we're saying, don't worry, retire happy. Create a lifetime income for yourselves. See a certified financial planner. Go over these seven steps 
to a happy retirement. And, a, and, and that certainly Andy and I would be happy to go through and give you a second opinion on this and make sure we've touched on all those things, hit your goals, and retire happy. All right. We have been planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. A couple of ways to reach them. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And you can also investigate their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. And, of course, can ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll see you next week. Thanks a lot, Scott. Scott.